Welcome to Slutty Activism, the podcast that teaches you to fight fascism with your genitals. Really, you can become the change you want to see in the world by becoming an extraordinary lover. No experience necessary. I'm your host, certified sex coach and professional sexual revolutionary, Sarah Martin. Let's get started. friend. Today, I've got a question for you. What does it mean to prioritize sex? I'm curious what comes to mind for you when I say that someone makes sex a priority. Maybe you think about someone that schedules sex with their partner, making sure that sex goes into their busy calendar, just like meetings at work. Or maybe you remember a friend who, once they got into a new relationship, started ignoring your invitations to go out together in favor of staying in with their new partner. Perhaps prioritizing sex calls to mind something like choosing to buy toys, furniture, or clothing to enhance your sexual experiences. I'm wondering, do any of these resonate with you? What's interesting to me about these examples is, while they do relate to the prioritization of sex in a sense, they're all prioritizing from a place of lack. Whether that's lack of time for sex, lack of time for anything other than sex, or the lack of the supposed spark, which might be rekindled with the right product, the right toy, the right lingerie, right? There's a sort of sadness to these examples. And the thing is, many people start out prioritizing sex when they sense lack, when they're in one or more relationships, or maybe they're single. And that's totally understandable. The problem is that the actions you take when you begin from lack tend to be reactive rather than proactive. Or to put it another way, lack drives you to address problems and challenges right here, right now. And if you're only ever solving for the immediate present, you're never setting down the foundation for change. You're dooming yourself to repeat this pattern of lack again and again and again. Consider then how much more powerful it would be to prioritize sex from a place of enoughness, regardless of your current relationship status. Actions taken from a place of enough tend to be proactive. This is how you create the foundation for creating the relationships you want to experience. The second important transformation needed to become a slutty activist is to become sex forward, that is to make sex a priority from a place of enough. In the Dignified Hedonist framework, this is done in three steps. Increase your odds, ask audaciously, and boost your boundaries. Here's a sad fact. Most people are or start out as atrocious sexual communicators. We have a real lack of role models for clear communication around sexuality. If anything, the role models presented by society are exactly the opposite. In movies and on TV, we're presented stories of romance where the characters communicate in subtext, where nothing is ever said directly and yet somehow everything works out. This is presented as romantic and desirable behavior. We are being set up to fail by the myths in our culture about how love and romance work because, and here's the thing, if you want to make sex a priority in your relationships, you're going to have to communicate about it. And what's more, 
If you missed out on implicit social skill building due to social isolation, bullying, or neurodivergence, the hurdles you have to clear in communicating sexual interest multiply. It's one thing trying to navigate implicit communication when you at least have internalized some social cues, and it is quite another when you don't even have those cues as a reference point. When you don't take action to develop your sexual communication skills holistically, this comes at a pretty big cost. You feel frustrated by your inability to connect with people, which can lead to getting needy and increasingly desperate. You can wind up in short relationships that go nowhere over and over again. You can wind up accused of creepy behavior, which I know from my clients is one of their biggest fears and something everyone wants to avoid doing. If this goes on for long enough, you might even get so fed up that you pack it in and stop putting yourself out there completely. If you know you deserve better than what you've been told you have to settle for, and you're not ready to accept that this is just how it is when it comes to dating, sex, and relationships, then head on over to sluttyactivism.com, that's sluttyactivism.com, to get on the path to deeply pleasurable, more connected, and satisfying sexual experiences. Okay, now back to the show. The good news is that communication is a skill and skills can be learned and developed. In order to increase your odds of finding people who share your desires, you need to progressively build your communication skills while also taking action in your sex and relationship life, where you go ahead and lead with your existing strengths. When it comes to building sexual communication skills, let's not mince words. It's hard. Making this choice requires courage. Your ability to communicate as a sexual being is one of those areas where you will really feel that sense of wrongness we talked about earlier on the show. And remember, that's because the systems of power all around you don't want you to be able to communicate your desires clearly without an attachment to the outcome. Because if you start doing that, well, you're likely to start experiencing what you actually want. And if that happens, you just might start feeling satisfied with your life. So, rewinding a little bit, if you're just getting started, you may struggle to make eye contact. You might get tongue-tied or don't really know when or how to join in the flow of conversation with someone. Uh, You might also tend to overthink text messages and worry about them for a long time after you've sent them. For you, body language may be a mystery, and you likely will have a lot of anxiety about touch, even though you really want to touch and be touched. And for you, it's likely that flirting is really confusing. And it's at this point where folks who are fed up and frustrated often find their way to pickup artist, female dating strategy, or other seduction spaces online. And if you've spent some time in these communities, you might have actually learned a couple of, say, conversation patterns or keno escalation routines, and maybe they've helped you, but you're still nervous about something happening that's off script. To truly increase your odds of creating the relationships you want to experience, you need to develop holistic communication skills. So that includes written communication, verbal communication, body language, and touch. 
And you also need to learn how to leverage context or put it another way, you need to learn how to communicate your desires and also understand the response someone gives in return. And you need to know how to pick the right places to look for partners who are more likely to want what you want. That's what we mean by context. When you know how to send the right messages in the right context, everything gets exponentially easier. You become able to communicate confidently and with flow in written, verbal, body language, and touch communication. You understand others when they communicate using these methods, and you feel able to express yourself clearly in a variety of contexts and situations. In our world, clear communication is a gift. If you spend any time at all on dating forums, you'll have seen the heart-wrenching laments of people of all genders all over the world struggling to understand what the people they're exploring relationships with mean with their words and actions. Becoming a clear, direct communicator sets you apart from a majority of people currently in the dating space. It saves a fuck ton of time for you and for them. Your direct communication can also act as an excellent filter, allowing you to more quickly move on from people who don't share your preferences about clarity. Uh, but wait, there's more. When you combine clarity and directness in communication with a willingness to ask for what you want in a way that honors the dignity of all involved, you become unstoppable. Most people really struggle to ask for what they want when it comes to sex and relationships. And if you were to ask them, most would say something like they just don't know how. I think what sits underneath this sense of not knowing how, this feeling of struggle, like the actual root of the difficulty in asking, is a fear of rejection. I often get the sense that what people really mean when they say they don't know how is that they don't know how to ask and also avoid being rejected. Or rather, they don't know how to ask in a way that guarantees a yes. Here's the thing. <laughs> There's no ethical way to ask someone and guarantee a yes. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe except for negotiating a scene with a play partner where you agree to that up front. But still, that doesn't stop people from trying to convince you otherwise. Just buy this or follow that pickup artist method and you'll get your yes. And if you somehow still don't, well, that must mean there's something fundamentally flawed with you or that you didn't try hard enough or you didn't do it right. You know, instead of the actual truth, which is that not only is all of that bullshit, uh, but it's actually misdirecting you away from a really powerful fact, which is this. When you become someone that's easy to say no to, it becomes much easier for others to say yes. I'm going to repeat that. When you become someone it's easy to say no to, it becomes much easier for others to say yes. The magic is in getting to a place where you're equally okay with hearing yes or no, which I call outcome independence. And then, and only then, go ahead and ask with clarity and consent baked into your question. Where a lot of people start out is in a place of stuckness and inertia. It could be that you've had a crush on someone for months, maybe even years, but you somehow just can't ask them out. It could also be that when you're in a relationship, there are things you really want to try with your partner, but you just can't figure out how to bring them up. Can you see how convincing people that rejection is proof of deep and immutable personal failings 
benefits power and facilitates fascism? Has it clicked into place for you as it has for me? Just how wide ranging the implications of this perpetual stuckness are, not just when it comes to dating, sex and relationships, but to our wider ability to create change. Because if the only time you ever feel able to ask is when yes is guaranteed, then is there ever a good time to ask for a raise? To protest injustice? To put pressure on your lawmakers? To unionize? To strike? I mean, and by extension then, learning to ask for what you want in a spirit of dignity, in a way that is gentle and affirming of autonomy is one of the single most important actions you will take as a slutty activist. When you first start asking audaciously, you'll find that sometimes you're able to muster up the courage to ask for what you want, but rejection still knocks the wind out of you. You might also be deeply discouraged to discover that sometimes people get kind of upset by your questions. And it's at this point that a lot of people want to quit. I'll tell you now that, on the contrary, This is what actual progress looks like. Incidentally, this is where it can really help to have a coach or a supportive community behind you to encourage you when things get challenging. The reason being that if you're able to keep going and building that asking muscle, you will arrive at a place where you feel confident asking for what you want, and then you're going to do so regularly as desire arises. You know you won't always hear a yes, and not only is that fine... To you, that's great. You make ample space for no, and you welcome no when it arises. And it's funny what happens when you make that huge shift from fearing no to welcoming no. This single shift probably has the biggest impact on others, both your friends and acquaintances, as well as your lovers and potential lovers. Someone who isn't phased by a no appears to others as kind of bulletproof and extremely confident. Someone who welcomes no in conversations related to dating and sex is kind of like a breath of fresh air. Seriously, when you go out there and ask for what you want in a way that invites no, people are often surprised. This may be the first time someone has done this for them. It feels weird, and it also feels really fucking good. And the short version of why it feels so good is because you are honoring their autonomy And by extension, you're treating them with dignity, which is what most people mean when they say they just want to be treated like a human being. You can take this further, though. (laughs) Throughout this podcast, whenever I talk about dignity, you'll hear me say the dignity of yourself and others. Yourself. You. (laughs) Yes, you. Your dignity matters. Treating yourself in a way that honors your inherent worthiness is absolutely necessary to effective slutty activism. The way you do that is by setting boundaries. When you boost your boundaries, you basically go supernova when it comes to your skills and your impact in everything sex forward. This is because a great many people have been taken advantage of or pushed to do things they didn't want to do throughout their lives. This is where the common worry about becoming a doormat in relationships comes from. The, the lived experience of being repeatedly trod all over in your relationships with others. The solution is in learning to identify your limits and to become masterful at setting boundaries. Boundaries are necessary to realize the true power that comes with communicating well and asking for what you want. 
And whenever I think about the importance of setting boundaries, I remember one of my clients, let's call her Megan, which is not her real name and some of the details have been changed to preserve her identity. Megan came to me originally for a desire audit, which is a one-off session where we work on the define your desires piece of the Dignified Hedonist framework. And during our conversation, I was struck by how extremely clear she already was about what she wanted to experience. So I said to her, I said, Megan, I'm curious. Most people who come for a desire audit only have like a general idea of what they want. But you already have this very clear picture. What do you think has gotten in the way of actually having these experiences? She went silent for a long time, and I could see the gears were turning. That's a good question, she said, before another long pause. Her face started to wobble, and before I knew it, she was crying. A few heaving sobs, followed by a steadier flow of tears. A few minutes later... After working herself over with some tissues, she said, Sarah, I waste so much time with people where it just doesn't go anywhere. And the thing is, I I get this feeling that it's not going anywhere pretty early. But then it seems rude to just say I don't want to see them anymore. Like, I keep giving them the benefit of the doubt over and over. And, like, I keep telling myself this time it has to be different. And then the same damn thing happens. Like, it feels like I'm broken. What's so wrong with me? Nothing was wrong with Megan. She's actually extremely awesome. <laughs> the, the problem was with Megan's lack of boundaries. That was what was behind repeated relationships where she was fundamentally incompatible with her partner. You can't avoid feeling the lack of boundaries. Maybe you're worried about getting into or already in a relationship where your partner takes from you without giving. It could be that you're worried about or have experienced infidelity in a relationship and that this has negatively affected your view of relationships in general. You might secretly worry if beta bucks, alpha fucks, or all men are bastards might actually be true. And here's where things often get muddled for folks. Power wants you to believe that boundaries are for other people and that setting boundaries consists of creating rules of behavior that other people must follow. This is how boundary setting is often portrayed, and it is also fundamentally flawed. You cannot control the behavior of others, and attempts to control the behavior of others are highly unethical. You can only control your own behavior. When you try to set boundaries on the behavior of others, you externalize your power. And then when it doesn't work, you feel angry, frustrated, and like you failed. So you try harder and then fail harder. This leads some people to conclude that there is no point in having boundaries, which just think of the boon that is to all the structures of power and oppression if you come to believe that boundaries are pointless. My goodness, does that ever make you ripe for exploitation? So what are boundaries then, if they're not about setting limits on the behavior of others? Boundaries, my friend, are for you. Creating healthy boundaries consists of defining your limits and what action you will take if someone or something exceeds those limits. When you first start creating boundaries, it's common to still seem kind of like a foreign concept. Often what happens before you create healthy boundaries is you develop 
like a a midway coping mechanism if you think someone is taking advantage of you uh, primarily through avoidance. So that can look like silence, sidestepping, or just leaving situations. And I want you to know that this is really common on the journey to establishing boundaries. And the world will try to step in and convince you that being avoidant is wrong and means there's something pathological about you and your behavior. And what this is meant to do is to push you backwards, to try and keep you in a state of boundarylessness, I guess I'll say. Instead, you can recognize this for what it is. It's a transitional phase on the journey. You don't want to get stuck here. And you can also recognize that this represents a huge step forward when you're starting out with no boundaries. With time, you will learn how to set boundaries and how to enforce them in a way that is self-honoring, powerful, and that centers dignity. Once you have those boundaries established, you won't worry about being taken advantage of in relationships because if someone tries, you know exactly what you will do. And it's more likely you would never get to that point in the first place because you already would have weeded such folks out pretty early on. Frustratingly, <laughs> this leads to a conclusion similar to the one we reached when exploring the actions involved in becoming desire-led. When you're boundary <laughs> when you're boundaryless, that is when all of the boundaries you have created are for other people, the sheer amount of energy you expend trying to enforce those boundaries leaves you feeling exhausted. It's a big part of why people give up. Whereas when you set boundaries for yourself, you often never even get to the point where someone is trying to trample on them because you weed those folks out long before it starts to really cost you. You eventually come to feel like you're not, quote unquote, doing anything. And yet you're experiencing much, much better relationships. It's so unfair, isn't it? When the amount of effort and energy in does not match what comes out on the other side. But who says this has to be hard? Who says dating, sex, and relationships have to be effortful? Who says relationships have to be work? Put another way, who benefits when your relationships of whatever kind feel like a fucking grind? What if instead relationships get to be easy? What if dating, sex, and relationships are play instead of work? What structures would that threaten? And what would that mean for you? When you bring sex forward in your relationships, when you don't leave questions of your sexuality and sexual desiring to assumption and guesses, but instead communicate it outward in a loving, dignified way, you'd be forgiven for assuming this will make it uh, basically impossible to get together with anyone. When in actual fact, becoming sex forward makes it so much easier to find people who share your desires. It saves so much time and energy. Time and energy, remember, uh, that you can spend for masturbation, for maintaining multiple relationships, for community organizing, for protesting, for going on strike. And when you interact with your partners or potential partners from a sex-forward state of being, it doesn't stop with you. It can't. Being on the receiving end of this style of communication is so life-affirming, so powerful. It often stops people in their tracks. And I've lost count of the number of screenshots clients have sent me of messages they've received on dating apps or by text 
specifically remarking on how different it feels to be asked in a sex-forward way, thanking them and letting them know how nice that is. Whether you go on to form a relationship of whatever sort with someone or not, just by virtue of interacting in a sex-forward way, you provide them with real, irrefutable evidence that another way is possible, one where we're honest with our desires without placing the weight of our expectations on anyone. And because not only does that exist, but it also feels wonderful to receive, you know what? You help others raise the bar on what to accept. You make your dating and relationship landscape less shit just by virtue of your presence in it. And you know what happens when other people start doing this? They become an example too. They start to save on time and energy they used to waste too. And they become more able to engage in the world too. And one by one, they become part of our movement for change. Together, we become a force to be reckoned with. So, what do you say? Come join me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to head over to sluttyactivism.com and learn how you can get started changing the world with pleasure. Also, make sure to follow the show so that you get notified when I drop a new episode. And if you want to connect with other like-minded people, come join us in Certainty for Overthinkers, the Slutty Activism Podcast Community Facebook group. Hope to see you there.